Make sure to finish today's podcast all the way to the end. There is a super exciting announcement at the very end. So don't you go anywhere. You are listening to the Hingework Podcast, a conversation about creativity, joy, and authenticity from the overflow of true community. Hi, welcome to the Hingework Podcast. Uh, my name is Gabe McMullen. Kent Mast. And I'm Katie Hostetter. Welcome, Katie. We're yes. happy to have you here. We're super yeah, excited. Thanks for having if me. If only we had like sound effect board like <sighs> to really amplify Jeff would the be thrilled cheering. if we had that. <laughs> <laughs> He's always, when we talked about like initially starting a podcast, Jeff was like, I want to be the sound guy and just play oh, like sirens totally. and stuff. Yeah. I yeah. You would thrive off that. Just I bet. mash buttons. Um, so yeah, Katie, I mean, when you come to mind, like I think of so many things. So you're like a designer, like you're creative, you um, are super engaging with people, caring, thoughtful, you know, you're all these things. Uh, maybe share some just about like your creative journey or do you disagree with everything I just said or how do you feel? <laughs> um, I mean, I feel very affirmed by what you just said. Good. And yeah, I feel like I am, I always have cared about people and I've always been creative. Those are two huge parts of just who I've always been. Um, and as I've grown and gotten older, gotten married, all of these things, I feel like I've gotten more and more opportunities to use those giftings mm -hmm. um, from working for a creative company to starting my own business and then also working alongside my husband doing some creative things for his business. So, yeah, it's just, it's been really fun. I feel like I always thought that my gifts were really ambiguous and that I would never be able to actually use them or they weren't worth, um, I mean, I put dollar signs to things and I would be like, well, who's going to pay me to do this yeah. or who's mm. going to pay me to do this. But I feel like being connected to the community in Lancaster of creatives, I've been able to use my giftings in ways I wouldn't have expected. And there's been a lot of value put on them, which has been really awesome. Yeah. That's interesting. I think that's a common theme in creatives just in general. Like, do I really have anything to offer? Or like we we could probably look at people like we really look up to and be like, compare ourselves to them. Like, well, I don't have what that takes or whatever, but we do have so much to offer and, and you do. So mm. maybe just a little bit about, you know, your creative journey of like, how did you, maybe you said this, did you always see yourself as a creative or how did that like well I feel like I mean if I'm going back a little ways in high school I had no idea what I wanted to do I had a lot of ideas but none of them really stuck and I didn't really want to go to college but I my plan to marry my high school boyfriend right out of high school who is my husband now didn't work and we broke up for like the fifth time so uh. then I had to figure something out and so I went to college. I went to Millersville for communications, which was very generic, and I was good at it. I was good at public speaking, good at mm -hmm. writing. I loved writing papers. That was, like, my thing. Um, so I did that, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do after school. Um, and I had a lot of professors pushing me to do research, and I didn't want to do research. And so I felt really stuck. And then in the midst of all of that, my high school boyfriend came back into the picture for like the fifth time and <laughs> it ended up working and we did get yeah. married my senior year of college. So I was married my senior year of college um, and trying to figure out what I was going to do after graduation. And that was when an opportunity came to me 
to work for a photography studio here in Lancaster Mm -hmm. as um, the studio coordinator. So that sounded really exciting to me. We lived close by the studio. I wanted to work downtown um, and I wanted to be in a creative environment. So I took that job and through that, I do feel like I grew a lot. Um, I learned some of the things that I wasn't good at, but I also learned a lot of things that I was good at. And I think the most beneficial thing was networking and getting to know people in the industry and just making really cool connections and relationships. So from that, I I feel like that was kind of what launched me, like just meeting different people who were really speaking into my life and saying like, you're really good at this or asking my opinion. I got to do some styling with one of the photographers there and I loved that. And um, I was also working in the wedding industry. So I made a lot of connections in the wedding industry. Um, So from that, I feel like that was when I really started to grow, even though it wasn't necessarily like what I went to college for or anything. I didn't even really need a degree for that job, but it ended up being really good. Yeah, no, that's great. I think it's, I mean, we're at Hingework right now, we're recording, and that's one of the things I love about this space is the creative community that we've kind of established. And I kind of came into it like a year and a half into its existence, but I feel like I've grown so much from it personally. Like I've been so inspired by all the people here and I imagine it was kind of the same way for you as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I've always been relational, like Kent mentioned, but community was a concept for me that felt new and different and was really, really healthy for me Mm -hmm. to be with people who were just, other creatives who were speaking into the projects that I was doing and bouncing ideas off of each other. And there was just something inspiring about being in an environment every Mm -hmm. day with people who were going after things. Yeah. Um, and so I would totally, it was very similar to this different, but similar in that that was a huge way. I grew. Yeah. It's different also from like your high school community. Exactly. Like when you're coming out of high school and college, like you have your community and you're all kind of working towards different things. But if you're all kind of in society doing the same sort of thing as creatives, it's just really, really awesome. Yeah. 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 With that, like, how do you think Lancaster's grown? What have, What are your thoughts on like how the city's grown? Well, I think a huge thing for me was when I got married, we moved into the city and I wasn't just in Lancaster County and going to a very Lancaster school. All of a sudden, like I loved the city and it was funny. I always used to say I wanted to live in the city and never knew if we would. And then we, Brent and I moved in and we've been here. Um, I'm trying to think I moved in here when I was 20 and now I'm 26. So six Mm -hmm. years. Um, and I feel like so many people are moving here because it's so cool. Yeah. And it's like, it's opened my eyes to Mm -hmm. everything that Lancaster is and just the culture and being able to walk places and do things, how amazing our coffee scene is. Whenever we go, we love to take weekend trips and day trips. And whenever we go anywhere else, I feel like we're always comparing to the coffee shops here. And we're like, I don't know, this doesn't quite measure up to passenger Mm -hmm. to whatever. Um, And then the whole creative culture, there's things like hinge work. There's all of these photographers. There's just all of these people that are coming here. Um, so it just opened my eyes to something beyond the county. How did working at the studio then kind of prep you for um, just other creative ventures? Or, you know, how, how did your journey kind of continue from there? So it, kind of like a side story off of my whole creative endeavors was 
so in the midst of that, like I said, I got married my senior year of college, um, got married pretty young, and my husband and I were not really sure when we wanted to have children and what that would look like, but in the midst of working at the studio, I got pregnant and ended up having a miscarriage, which was all a really big shock. <laughs> so that kind of took us off guard. We were like a year and a half into marriage. Um, but that sort of propelled us into this journey of finding out some things about my health and figuring out that pregnancy might not be as easy as we would have assumed mm -hmm. in our naive minds. So, um, so we decided to start trying for a family sooner than we might have just because we didn't know how long it would take. So I was working at the studio and at first I was pretty relaxed and kind of just like, well, we're trying now and, but we weren't planning on having a family this young. So whenever it happens, it happens. And, um, and it just kept, I mean, months kept going by and I wasn't getting pregnant and that got to be really, really hard for me. Um, in the midst of all of that, I was surrounded by a lot of friends who were getting pregnant and having babies and, mm. I had six or seven friends who had children from the time that we first miscarried um, until, I mean, it was like, I think like a, in that year, everybody was like getting pregnant. I took a break from social media for a while because I just felt like every time I got on, I would see an ultrasound picture. It, it was really, really hard for me. Um, I mean, I think the Lord was teaching me a huge lesson in being present and being content and all of that stuff. But it just was really painful mm -hmm. um, and felt like a really private journey and I didn't really know how to handle it all the time or anything like that. So so when I ended up, the studio kind of that I was working for was kind of shifting directions and I ended up taking a job, well, taking a job for my husband's company. Hang on one second, sorry, I feel like I need to cough. Um, <coughs> anyway. Um, the studio was shifting directions. It felt like a good time for transition. I was a, probably a year into trying to get pregnant and assuming that I would get pregnant any day. So mm -hmm. I didn't want to go yeah. looking for another full-time job or starting anything too big. And my husband is a new home builder and his parents didn't have a lot intact as far as marketing goes. It's a 25-year-old business. So I took a job for them doing their marketing, which felt really non-threatening because I'm like, oh, when I have a baby in the next couple of months, hopefully yeah. it won't be a big deal at all. And I can just keep doing this. Um, so then another year went by and <laughs> I was done with their rebrand. And mm -hmm. that was like a really cool opportunity for me. I got to work with Jeff Franzen. Mm -hmm. We yeah. did a rebrand, um, yeah. new website. I learned even more about web design and photography and logos and all of that stuff. But I also was like, okay, when are we going to get pregnant? Yeah. So, so that was kind of like, my, it was a rough season. I would call it like, kind of like felt like a dead season. Mm. I was being creative and I was doing things beyond just sitting around and waiting to get pregnant. But a huge thing that I wanted was, wasn't happening. And, um, it was winter and that was hard and it just felt like a really dark time. Um, so in the midst of all of that, we were still looking for answers, working with some doctors, but, I actually was talking with another friend who, so I was working for my in-laws, but it was part-time and I was like, I can't just keep doing like part-time random things yeah. for another year. I need something else. Like I'm, I am definitely motivated. I'm definitely easily bored and I like to be busy. I thrive mm -hmm. off of mm -hmm. having a lot. I can't, I 
just don't do super well being in the house all day, every day Mm -hmm. or, or any day actually. So (laughs) I felt like I needed something else. And a friend of mine who was a florist asked me to help design her website because she wanted to start getting back into doing some flower stuff. And I was like, what if we would make this into a business? Like you're, you have great talent. And I used to work for a wedding photographer and I have all these connections. Mm And literally it was like in one night, at a tar- at Target, we were at Target talking about this. By the all time good we got things home, come from Target. Exactly, it's but, true. yeah, all good things. By the time we got home, I was like, had this whole business plan hatched in my you mind. You had a fire underneath you. Oh my word! I was. I think I stayed up most of the night that night, looking up business like floral businesses on the West Coast and in Great Britain because all good things also come from <laughs> the West Coast in Great Britain. True. Like America. Trying to come up with America. names. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all good things. Target. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, I was looking for a name. I was looking for a logo, inspiration. Came up with a name by morning and texted her and was like, what do you think about Moss and Vine? I haven't found any other businesses named that. And I like how it sounds. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to use, there were certain words I didn't want to use that felt too trendy. And anyway, came up with this mock logo and really we birthed a floral business that morning named Moss and Vine and (laughs) met with Jeff Franzen again a week later. And he helped perfect the logo that I made in a word document and kind of just went from there. So I ramble about all of that to say a huge lesson I've learned in my journey just through life was that was not something that I was asking the Lord for or praying for. And I think I struggled with that. Like the Lord gave me vision for a successful business and someone to work with and pretty much birthed Moss and Vine, but was not giving me a child in my womb. And why is the Lord giving me something so amazing that I'm not asking for, but not giving me the thing Mm. I'm asking for. Mm. But I didn't, I didn't really ever get an answer to that. It was just kind of like, I really felt like I just needed to steward what was in front of me and what the Lord had Mm -hmm. given me. Um, So that was like a hard, like such a bittersweet because it was such a, like an amazing thing, a good thing. But it also was a bittersweet lesson to learn. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not always just going to get the thing I ask for. I might get something else amazing. And what can I do with that in that season? Yeah. So. so yeah. I mean, sheesh. It's a lot of stuff. No, that's that's really <laughs> that's good. So like so. Maybe take us to like a specific place or like sort of set the scene for like what did that actually look like when you're sort of like crying out to God like I don't get it. Um, can you kind of paint that picture of like. You know, you in those seasons, like just not understanding, just crying out with no answer. Type. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so with Moss and Vine, we launched actually here at Hingework. We had a huge launch party. And at that point, we had been trying to get pregnant for about two years and still did not have any answers. And, um, And so people were starting, some people knew, and I have a personal blog and I'm pretty open. So I had shared some different things about our miscarriage and stuff like that. And a lot of people approached me at the launch party and were like, isn't this amazing? Like the Lord gave you this as your baby. And that was always really hard for me because I was like, but this is not my baby. Like this is like, so there were like, there were moments like that where it was like, but this is not like, you don't understand. Like this is an amazing thing, but this is not my baby. Um, So just like different and people, nobody was ever intentionally trying to be hurtful or anything. Actually, a couple months after we launched Moss and Vine, um, 
which it was funny. We had said the first year is just going to be a building the business year. We're not going to book any weddings, probably like low expectations. And we ended up doing 20, 20 weddings our first year wow. in business and turning away. So, good. Yeah. so people were booking us based off of literally no merit because <laughs> my business partner was the one who was good at flowers, but she didn't have photos of her own work because uh-huh. she had helped other people. Yeah. And I had never touched flowers in my life <laughs> and was pretty much just good at talking about it. So, um, anyway, so that was like crazy. And in the midst of that, I ended up getting surgery and we were officially told by doctors that I was never going to be able to have children, Mm -hmm. that my tubes were not functional. And, um, so at that point I'm 24 years old and Mm -hmm. they were like, yeah, you're never going to be able to have biological children unless you do IVF. IUI won't even work, which is kind of like the middle ground. So IVF is the big, expensive, scary form of fertility treatment. So it felt like, I mean, that's what it felt like in my mind. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, so that um, was right at the beginning of wedding season. I had surgery in June, and our first wedding was the end of June. Mm-hmm. And I hit the ground running and never really looked back and kind of crashed come November when mm-hmm. I realized, like, I mean, I was very, I'm pretty in touch with my heart, but I was very like, just, it was easier to do than to think. And come Mm -hmm. November, I really hit a wall and was like, what is my life? Like I was told that I wasn't able to have children and that's been my dream. And we never really fully have worked through that. And I'm coming off of this insane wedding season, but I'm also working through all this stuff in my mind. Mm. Um, so once I really started a process, like six months later, <laughs> I mean, there were nights when I would cry all night long, like just mm. like, yeah, crying out to the Lord. Like those were the rawest moments of my life ever. Just working through things with my husband and just apologizing to him, feeling all the shame because it was me and all of this stuff. But then also the reality of like, we wanted to get a second opinion and try mm-hmm. to figure out doctors. You feel like you just want to hide in your room all day and like not deal with anything, but you actually have to like keep going with life. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did end up pursuing second opinions and found a doctor who said she felt more hopeful than our first diagnosis and was willing to try and operate on me and, but it would be risky and all this different stuff. So, I'll, do you have any questions in wow. there? I'm like rambling yeah. again. But. No, it's so good. Like, I mean, I just mean like, it's so real. It's so, um, refreshing to see like the process that you've been on, you know, yeah. the journey, like, wow, that is so intense. Um, did you, as you were crying out, did it feel like, um, you know, you hit that wall, you're crying out. Did you start to feel like, the Lord say anything or any kind of like nearness in, in that situation yet? Or was it still like just a lot of not answers? Well, so pretty soon after we were told that we weren't going to have children, according to this doctor, I was on my way to visit my sister at school near Philadelphia. She's in college there. And I felt, and through this, I learned a lot about the Lord and my relationship with him really grew in a, in a very real way. I, Grew up in church, grew up in Christian school, but didn't really, I I never really understood like the Lord speaking to me or like just different things like that kind of freaked me out, so to speak, you know, Mm -hmm. like the idea of like the charismatic felt weird. And Mm -hmm. there were a lot of things I felt about the Lord that I put up walls. Mm -hmm. So 
I think one of the first times I really, I really clearly heard the Lord was I was driving to visit my sister at school and I felt like he was saying something about adoption and we had never, Brent and I had never talked about adoption, never thought about it. Um, it was not really on my radar. I had friends who mm-hmm. were like, went on missions trips when they were 16 yeah. and were like, when I get married, I'm going to adopt. And I was not one of those people. Yeah. And I literally had like a verbal fight with the Lord in the car, bawling my eyes out Mm. like a month after being like, I'm not going to adopt. Like, Mm. I don't know what you're thinking here, but we're not adopting. Like, you're just going to have to give me a baby in my womb because that's not happening. And I told Brent that too. I, I was pretty like strong about it. And people were giving us some prophetic words and stuff, just saying like about foster care and adoption. And I was like offended. (laughs) Like (laughs) don't even, someone shared with me on my birthday, something about being open to the idea of foster care and how much love we have in our hearts to give. And I was just like, yeah, no, like not happening. Mm. Um, But literally it was the Lord because there's no explanation for it. Slowly (laughs) my heart started to change Mm -hmm. and I can't even explain it to you because it was such a supernatural thing. It was just like slowly I started to become more open to it or like I would notice people's posts that I would usually ignore or like people who had done it, people would come to my mind who were in the midst of foster care or whatever. Foster care felt even scarier to me than adoption because I'm like, I've already lost enough. Like I don't Mm want to lose one more thing. Um, Mm. So yeah, all that to say... Um, we decided after in the midst of looking for doctors and still trying to figure out my physical stuff, we felt like the Lord was calling us to do foster care, which was like a hundred percent, not what I ever would have thought mm-hmm. for my life. Like I picture myself when Brent and I were dating for the second time when we were 17 <laughs> and picturing our life together. And I just was like, none of this is like what I would have thought. I thought that we were, I knew he'd probably work for his dad and we'd live in Lancaster and, Mm-hmm. I would just, you know, have 17 babies and stay at home. <laughs> the Lancaster way. Yeah, exactly. And here I am, like, running a business, yeah. mm-hmm. being told I can't have babies, and now I'm considering foster care? Like, mm-hmm. what is my life? Mm-hmm. Um, but we started doing training, and it was just kind of like we applied, still felt peace. Did training, still felt peace. Decided to do foster care and opened our home. Foster care is not a for sure adoption. Foster care is saying yes to a child who's coming into the system Mm -hmm. and still has family in the picture and they haven't signed over their rights. So the child's like most likely been taken from the parents because of something that has happened or a family member has brought them in. It's not like a mom saying, I really want my child to be adopted by you. So that that's intense. Mm -hmm. And then the system wants you to be open to be a permanent home for that child because they're bonding with you. Mm -hmm. But they also need you to know that reunification is the goal. Mm -hmm. Um, The state's goal is always to reunify a child with their biological family. So foster care is not signing up for adoption um, and coming home with a baby. It's a lot of other things. But we really felt like that was something that we were supposed to do and that the Lord had brought us through the different journeys and the different losses because we could open our hearts and lose and rise back up again. Mm. It was just something that Brent and I both felt. Yeah. I mean, he felt it first and I had to come along. 
for the, <laughs> the ride had, at first. He'd kind of already prepared you for it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So by the time we opened our home, I felt ready. Um, and you hear all these things like, oh, there's all these children who need homes and you're going to get a call immediately. And you're literally just waiting by your phone for a phone call. And we waited um, a lot longer, almost four months, which is mm. pretty long, a lot longer than I thought a lot longer than, I mean, I was like running into people who'd done foster care and they're like, oh wow, you still haven't gotten a phone call? Like nothing? Because mm-hmm. you can decide to turn away cases, but I'm like, we literally haven't gotten a phone yeah. call. Um, so I started getting annoying with the caseworker. I'm like, okay, the Lord doesn't want us to have kids because mm-hmm. we haven't even gotten a child through foster care yet and our nursery's been sitting here and whatever. So in the midst of that, I had this whole plan. Now I'm coming into my second wedding season and we had opened our home in the winter and I'm like, great, we'll get a baby in the winter. I'll be able to bond with the baby. And then by the time wedding season rolls around, I won't feel bad at all about leaving for weddings. And wouldn't you know, like our first phone call is not 12 months and under. It's a 16 month old boy. And we get it the night before a big wedding we had in May, right in the middle. I mean, I think we had five Mm. weddings in May and right in the middle of May, we get a phone call for the 16 month old boy. And Brent's like, yeah, I think we're supposed to say yes. And I'm like, this is not a newborn baby. And, Mm -hmm. And this is the night before a wedding. And we said yes. And an hour later we were using a borrowed car seat that I had scrounged up because everything I had was newborn Wow! and walking out of children and youth with a toddler. Holy cow. Who I took to the wedding the next day with Brent um, because I didn't really know what else to do. So his, yeah, first 24 hours with us was spent doing florals for Moss and Vine. Um, I mean, like it's, I mean, you, you've been wanting a, a child for so long. It's almost like you didn't know how to be a parent like right away. It's like all of a sudden you're going from zero to a hundred. Yeah. And like working full time. That's, I can't even imagine how in like crazy that must be. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was emotional on that spectrum. It was emotional because this little boy had been taken from his mom and he never knew his dad. Mm. So he and Brent connected immediately because Brent was like the only male figure he'd ever Mm. seen. And Brent was amazing, but he knew I wasn't his mom. Mm -hmm. So it was, I mean, he's old enough to know who his mom is. And this woman who's trying to rock me and put me to sleep and carry me around, spend all her time with me and say she's mommy Mm -hmm. is not. Um, So that was like really intense. And this was my first experience of motherhood. So again, the Lord totally wrecking my expectations because it wasn't lovey-dovey and it wasn't me snuggling with my little baby at night and like rocking him and reading to him and getting that affirmation. I was getting no affirmation from Mm -hmm. him. I mean, I thought he hated me most of the time. (laughs) So I was like, this is not what I thought motherhood would be. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. So that was like a whole nother thing um, yeah. in the midst of all of that. So at that point, I am a foster mom and I am running with Moss and Vine. And um, I'm trying to think what else. And we're still like, so I did end up getting surgery and we were still trying to work through all of the physical stuff because we had found I had endometriosis, which is a chronic illness. So there was stuff we had to deal with with that. Um yeah, so I feel like it was what I thought was going to be my high actually felt like a little bit like another low because mm-hmm. it just felt really emotional mm-hmm. and like a lot. Yeah. And um, I kind of was like, what did I get myself into? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, 
But I, I definitely think like, wow, like you and Brent are just such good people. Like anytime I talk to you guys, you're just so full of like love and joy and just um, willing to talk, willing to be real. And I didn't really know too much about your journey until um, Brent and I were going to that Phillies game with Jeff. Was it the Phillies and the Mets probably since yes. Jeff was there? Yeah, but <laughs> probably. If Jeff was there, yeah. <laughs> definitely the Mets were involved. <laughs> Phillies didn't do well. Anyway, um, but yeah, just he shared a bunch about your story and I'm like, holy cow, like that's just, that's so intense. But like that, um, like God was already, um, so you had this desire and then this dream and then um, j- just the waiting period and the length of time and the, the roller coaster, mm-hmm. just not what you were expecting and mm-hmm. how difficult that is. Um, um, what was I going to say? But, um, sheesh, <laughs> I'm getting like emotional over here, which is why I'm like, wow, that's just, yeah, that's so crazy. Um, yeah, I had no idea your story was that intense. I think when I first met you, you were, uh, it was like spring of last year. And so I don't know how far you guys were along with your uh, process of foster. I think it was just a few months. Did we have Cam? Yeah. 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 We met at, I remember we had met at Prince Street Cafe. Yeah. I saw you guys, um, around and you had commented about, it was like, I think it was right after my article came out of me in the newspaper. Yes. And I was like, Oh, Gabe McMullen. He's and famous. I was like, who's this girl? <laughs> I don't think I knew you guys it's at like, that Brent, point. That's Gabe from the newspaper. He's like, so we funny. don't even get the newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I saw it at my parents. <laughs> it's really funny. I so I, I had no idea at that time, like that you guys had gone through all these struggles and everything. Um, I didn't even realize Cam was a foster. I think you had, you might've mentioned it at that point, um, shortly after. And, um, yeah, I think I just seen you in and out of town a little bit. So yeah, I had no idea, um, to say the least. Yeah. Um, but wow, that's a crazy journey. And so, last year was your second se- wedding season, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so then there's all of that. So in, <laughs> I had started a business and yeah. um, what had no intention of being done with the business. Yeah. Anytime soon, um, it was a legal LLC. My business partner Heidi and I. We're going full force. Um, but I also just didn't really know when I started the business, I didn't know what the future would hold, what you children didn't, you would didn't look see like. an end game. Right. I didn't see an end game and mm. it felt like I think sometimes you just have to take the steps that are in front of you. And mm-hmm. I like to see an end game and I like to have a plan that feels neat and clean and makes sense to everybody. And um I don't feel like my life has been that way. So it's mm-hmm. just funny because obviously that's not the Lord's priorities. Um, but yeah, so going into my second wedding season, became a foster parent. So I did adjust my life at that point, And Heidi and I came to an agreement as far as my workload and cutting back some um, just so I could focus on being a mom to Cam because that is really intense. And even our situation with foster care has been really we've been really lucky it's not been as messy as some but it still takes a lot of time and energy to create a bond with a child Mm -hmm. who is not your child so we knew that a huge priority for us was not having to get babysitters a ton for him to be with me as much as possible and have some normalcy in his life Mm -hmm. because he had had a mom who was in and out so much um Mm. that so that was something i really had to I mean, it was a sacrifice in that 
it just wasn't all that I thought it was going to be, but it also was what I wanted. And Mm -hmm. so it all worked out. Um, but I was still planning to continue on with the business and keep working and was still like, you know, mom during the day going out to consultations in the Mm -hmm. evening, whatever. Um, and two and a half months after we got cam, I was having an emotional week and Brent was like, I don't know why I feel this way. And he had never said this. I mean, we were three years of infertility and probably like, I am not kidding you, four to five pregnancy tests a month on my end. Mm -hmm. I spent way too much money on pregnancy tests. It wasn't even Mm -hmm. like physically possible for me to be pregnant as many times as I tested, but I just would (laughs) test in secret (laughs) and then tell Brent later and he'd be like, how much did you spend? Because I always had to have the expensive ones that said yes or no. Um, (laughs) So I spent a lot of money on pregnancy tests and he never once told me to take one. He always would just be like, I think you just need to wait. And because I would, I would just get heartbroken Every single time and mm. this random two and a half months into cam, not any reason to really think that we were pregnant. Um, he was like, I think you're supposed to take a pregnancy test. And I was like, I'm not taking a pregnancy test, but I just kept thinking about it. I'm like, he's never told me to take one. Um, because now this is like a whole nother long story that I don't have to go down, but in the midst of finding out that I wasn't able to have children, we actually did lose two babies Mm. from that time until we got Cam, which was like, so we have three babies in heaven, which is amazing. And they were miracles, but was also really intense and a whole nother thing. Mm. So at that point I was like, okay, even if we do know that maybe I could get pregnant, obviously I can't sustain pregnancies. So I'm not taking a test. I'd rather just not know. And um, two days later, just kept thinking about it, went and got a test, took it and was pregnant. Um, so I have a one and a half year old at my feet who I'm trying to work with. And Hmm. then the test is telling me I'm pregnant. Um, and I was like in total shock. So that was the middle of the summer again, middle of wedding season. So now I am fostering and I'm a little bit sick and pregnant, but not sure what's going to happen and living in a lot of fear and doing some weddings. Um, (laughs) so that was an unexpected turn and we just took it a week at a time. And like I said, I was terrified, totally fearful. I felt like I couldn't even get excited when I would mm-hmm. share with people. Yeah. I was just kind of like, I just want to let you know, please be praying. Like we found out that we're pregnant. We'll see what happens. Like that was how I dealt with it. Um, and I was high risk. So I was going to a lot of doctor's appointments and stuff. But long story short, I am sitting here mm-hmm. 32 weeks pregnant with the baby boy who is healthy. Um, and I have a two year old at home that we are hoping to adopt. Um, his case is still up in the air, but has gone, like I said, more smoothly than we thought. Um, so all of that happened and two years into owning my own business, I actually felt like Brent and I came to the agreement together that we were supposed to sell our share of the business Mm -hmm. because, the Lord had given us the family that we've been praying for. And while I think some women do a really great job of balancing both, I knew for me being as disorganized and creative and right brained as I am <laughs> right brained, right? I'm not sure which brain it is. Okay. Well, see, if I was organized, <laughs> whatever, I would tell you. <laughs> yeah, whatever brain I am, I just yeah. knew that I need to go where the fruit was. But then another lesson, like things aren't always the way you think they're going to be. And they're not always, mm-hmm 
they don't always go in the timeline you think and anything like that, but it works out in the Lord's time. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) And you never know. There might be more opportunity to do business again. Right. Yeah. And the reality is like, so yeah, I feel like that process was really good for us. And, um, it was really cool to be able to say like, I was like, Moss and Vine is an amazing business and I got to be a part of it and Mm -hmm. jumpstart it and all that stuff. Um, I don't think I'm ever going to be someone who isn't, doesn't have my hands in something Mm -hmm. because I think I've already tried that for a day or two and it hasn't really worked. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Brent is, I mentioned earlier is a new home builder and even in the midst of Moss and Vine, I have always kind of been his like marketing Mm -hmm. girl, like bouncing ideas off of just being like, you should do this. You should do this. Um, we just completed our first flip home here in the city, which was really fun. That's awesome. Um, and we're hoping to do more of those. And now is that together or under his, so it was through Brentwood, but Brent and I ran with it. Okay, cool. So Brent, Cam and I were (laughs) kind of heading it up. (laughs) Hey, that's awesome. We were, yeah. So it was really fun. So we're hoping to do more of those. Um, both of us are visionaries and we have very full brains mm-hmm. of ideas. Mm-hmm. And now we're just trying to tell ourselves like the baby is coming in two months and we need to like chill for a little, Yeah, mm. <laughs> not start something tomorrow and then mm-hmm. be like, what are we doing in two months from now? So yeah, no, that's a good point. But yeah. Wow. I love that. So God has answered those prayers. You're 32 weeks along mm-hmm. and like, what does it sort of feel like? Is there still any hesitancy or are you, are you like, wow, yeah. Like, yeah. How are you feeling now? Um, I feel, I feel like I have finally embraced it. I think somewhere along the line, probably in my second trimester, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I definitely have a belly and I'm feeling the baby kick and this is really <laughs> happening. Um, <laughs> the fear was very real. Mm-hmm. I, when I was nine weeks, I had a full day of bleeding and was sure that I was miscarrying because I had miscarried mm-hmm. before. And, um, yeah, really like, again, I mean, the amount of times that I've just like had it out with the Lord <laughs> throughout <laughs> this journey mm-hmm. is a ton. I mean, just like in my room being like, Lord, what are you doing? And I was sure I was miscarrying. Brent was at the cabin, didn't have service. So I was just here oh, with wow. Cam and yeah. he came home that night and I was like, I just want to let you know, like I lost the baby and he felt like the Lord told him that, um, everything was going to be okay. Mm. We went into the doctors the next day and they found that I had a bleed on my uterus. And so I had been bleeding, but that the baby was okay. Mm. The wow. bleed was above the baby. So why that had to happen to me who has had, yeah. I mean, why that should happen to anyone. I don't know yeah. why it had to happen to me who has mm-hmm. had stuff happen. I really don't understand, but I just, again, was like, okay, like, I just, I am not in control. Mm -hmm. None of my life has been me being in control, and I am a total control freak. Mm -hmm. Um, But everything I try to squeeze doesn't really produce life. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, like, that's just been a huge lesson. I mean, there's so many huge lessons, but through this journey, I've just... Like there's the verse that says like the, the grass withers and the, um, flower fades. Wait, no, that's not the verse I'm thinking of. Mm. The the fig tree does not blossom Mm. and there is no grapes on the vine. And just like that whole thing of like everything being dry, essentially, I will still praise the Lord. I feel like that was something I had to really, really embrace. Mm. Um, and it's created a basis for my faith that I wouldn't trade. Um, 
we, we talk often about how through all of this, we wouldn't have cam if it wasn't for any of this. Mm-hmm. And although I have three babies in heaven, like, and that's so like, I mean, it's beautiful, but it's also hard. Like I would not go back if it meant not knowing cam mm-hmm. and cam mm-hmm. was not what I thought I wanted, yeah. you know, like that sounds, I thought I wanted like a little tiny newborn that I could affect from the ground up. And cam has, a past that came with him, a 16 month past, but still he has been through some hard stuff for that 16 months old should never Mm -hmm. see. So for me to be able to say like, but I wouldn't trade anything because we're doing foster care. It's stretched our bounds. We want to do it again. Like it's not Mm -hmm. like we Mm -hmm. got our kid and now we're pregnant and we don't like, we want to continue. It's opened our hearts to a whole new thing. We never would have thought about. Um, it's just been, it's been good for us. Been good for our marriage um, it's been like the hardest good thing I've ever had in my life. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, that's super encouraging. So powerful. Yeah. Oh my word. Like seriously, it's just like, um, learning to trust the Lord when it doesn't visibly make any sense, mm-hmm. you know? And like, just, I think the steadfastness, even, you know, even in the crying out and the heart and the, I don't get it, um, that he still like had you and that you were still, in the long term, like steadfast and faithful and that he's like producing life in you and through you and in your heart. And, um, I just think that's awesome. Like there's mm-hmm. so much to rejoice at in that, but yes, so difficult. So yeah, just thank you for, um, just being real with us. Mm-hmm. And I know yeah, that I really so that. many people are going to be crazy encouraged. Yeah. 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 Um, do you still do your personal blog? I still, do. You're yeah. on? Can we give you a shout out on that? Where, sure. where can people find you? So my blog is katehostetter.com. Okay. K-A-T-E-H-O-S-T-E-T-T-E-R. Awesome. Um, and yes, I need to, I've done really well with blogging and then I've gone in phases <laughs> where I don't do it as much, yeah. but I really enjoy writing and I love sharing my thoughts that way. Through the trial and uncertainty, Brent and Katie persevered. And on March 26th at 6.13 p.m., Grace and Cole arrived to the world 7 pounds, 9 ounces, 20 and a half inches long. So excited. We celebrate with Brent and Katie and thank God for his faithfulness in this season. Yeah! Wow! Woohoo! Thanks for listening to the Hingework Podcast. Hingework is a creative co-working space in the heart of downtown Lancaster, PA. Find out more at www.hingework.com.